Here we go. <laughs> um, I've been. It's weird. My, uh, you know, um, the things I find myself interested in. You've said this before, Freddie. Sometimes you go down a, a YouTube rabbit hole, and you know, it's weird. The last couple of times I've done that. I mean, I won't be surprised. Some of it is Spanish, but a lot of it is aviation. And I've been watching a lot of not just cockpit videos of big airplanes, but I've been watching like single pilot stuff lately because it sort of uh, takes me back. It's weird. It's weird how you can do that. You can just hit click on one thing and the next, you know, two hours have passed. Oh, it's crazy. It happens to me all the time. Do you, where, where do you start, though? I usually start with uh, late night monologues. Okay. To see what's being said, and then that just opens up this wild entertainment world of current pop culture stuff that I enjoy. And sometimes I fall into this thing politically. Have you seen these <clears throat> young guys that come on and show clips and then they give their... Mm-hmm. I, I can't stand those. Like, I, I, I don't care what they have to say, these because I don't know who they are, but yeah. if you look at the following, they... They have a lot, a huge following, but they'll show a clip. You'll see a clip and it'll say something. You think, oh, I'm interested in that. And then you see the clip and then right on the end of it or halfway through it, some guy comes on and starts analyzing it and um, it loses oh, it sounds a horrible. lot of that going on. Sounds horrible. Going on. Uh, Dan, do you ever do that little kind of like take a little YouTube tour and the next thing you know, you know, a, y- a year has gone by and you've grown a beard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's no, like, it's true. I have to shave again. I'm hungry. Yeah. And I'm reminded because you go back to your YouTube channel and it's got a, you know, it's got a list of all the, you know, possible new subjects right. based on the last thing. Oh, right. Watched. Yeah. They're saying here. Yes, yes. And mine so. is really very curated. And it's I would and I'm happy if you can look at anything I've seen. It comes into three categories these days. Spanish golf flying. And uh, sometimes when a few weeks have gone by. On flying, I'll, I'll spend a couple hours and just watch people fly. It's the weirdest thing. But what about you, Dan? I mean, is it obviously uh, you're part of a... Is there like an online community of guys with huge wangs? Is there a thing that you guys... <laughs> That's, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, hey. just, <laughs> people's focusing on their lower, That's, lower no, parts. No, that's yeah. not YouTube. That's long tube. <laughs> Um, we're going to start the show here in a second, but I came upstairs a second ago to get some coffee, and I, I had given Dan, because he's, he's sleeping in my house here for the last seven months, in the room, that's the noisiest, and then there's the, the curtains are very light, so I bought him a, uh, a sleep mask, and I got one for myself and one for Spencer, and it's been weeks, I've been saying, have you tried the sleep mask, have you tried it? He says, no, I keep forgetting, but last night, I said to Dan this morning, hey, how'd you sleep? He said, I slept much better, I'd use the sleep mask. And then, and then he said, he said it was the weirdest thing. It was, I, it came, it came off my face in the middle of the night. And I'm like, oh yeah, that happens to me too. And he goes, and for some reason it was around my dong. And I, and I was like, whoa. How did he get down there? I, for, I was just surprised he made that joke because he never yeah. does. Oh, so, oh, it was a joke. Oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> was it a joke, Dan? Yeah. Well, Fred's not laughing. So no. Oh no. Well, well it's just, <laughs> Dan isn't a jokey joke guy. No, so I, I thought it was serious. And that's what surprised me. And I, and my right. reaction, I did the double reverse and went, Jesus, Dan, where do you get, why, how did you talking about that kind of thing first thing in the morning? Oh yeah. yeah. It was quite hilarious. Um, serious, serious, serious. And every once in a while, you throw something out there. Oh yeah. yeah. Dan will throw you a curve. Garners a laugh. Yeah. All right. Well, it made me laugh. Here we go. <laughs> 
That was a fake laugh. <laughs> this episode of Hubble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Hubble and Fred Studios in Toronto, from our cottage-like Brampton facility, and for a couple of minutes from Howard's Kitchen Island next to the coffee maker. And is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Aaron Ventures, evnet.ca, GoDaddy, and our newest sponsor, Architect Outdoor Living, Better Building by Design. And now here are two men who now that Tucker is gone, wonder what media personality to move their saved-up disdain and disgust over to. It's Humble and Fred. And uh, just, <clears throat> excuse me, thank you, Dan Duran, for people who are wondering. Uh, it couldn't have worked out better making his regular monthly appearance today. Noel Kassler will be our guest. He's a, you know what? He was a Trump producer. He was on The Celebrity Apprentice for six years, and now he's a White House insider. That's what I'm calling him, because he's been inside the White House. He's one of, he's one of these guys that they have tapped to, a sort of a Democrat, sort of blogger, vlogger, podcaster. Anyway, he's, uh, he's happening today. Yeah, great timing, because uh, start, uh, things are starting to boil over in Georgia. They're preparing for an indictment. They said it could come at, towards the end of June, early July, but they're preparing for the security now, mm-hmm. which is encouraging. Yes. And then Biden re-anou- uh, announces he's running again. Yeah. And Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon get tossed yesterday. So a whole slate. This is what you call a whole slate of subjects. Yeah, it was kind of like Humble and Fred Christmas in April. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> And, uh, and and when we get to it, I just want to say in advance, we're going to read a couple of emails, uh, and we talked about this last week, about there's some things that happened on our show yesterday, and people have responded, and so we're going to respond to them. But i got to give Julie Fleming, I'm sure you saw, there was a barrage of Julie Fleming emails to us yesterday, Fred. Yes. Um, just links to articles, Vanity Fair, CNN, Lemon Fire, and Tucker Carlson. And as I wrote yes. her back, I said, Julie, thank you very much for your great reporting. That's what they do on the on the cable shows. Thank you very mm-hmm. much for your great mm-hmm. reporting on this matter. And so Julie has given us lots of background, but uh, we're going to save it all up for when Noel gets here. We've only got a couple minutes of Dan Duran. He's doing a hot six off the top. <clears throat> yep. So uh, we're already at six minutes, Dan. You just let me know. Uh, do you have any final remarks? Do you have anything you want to say to the people? Maybe you want to weigh in quickly on uh, Lemon, uh, Carlson, uh, anything, and then we're going to let you go. Well, on Carlson, and uh, I, you know how you see stuff on uh, whatever social media thing is, and then you, and you go, that ah, can't be true. Yeah. When I saw that, I thought, that can't be true. And I kept looking around, and I thought, oh, wow. Wow. That's pretty... And I'm the, I'm the only thing I could really think of is that, well, I guess they put two and two together that the uh, $750 million or whatever they, they paid to uh, Dominion kind of got, got to somebody over there. Say, so, well, we've got to do something. Well, yeah, we'll talk about it later. But, you know, a lot of those, that uh, discovery paper uh, by Dominion that went to the courts and was redacted, apparently all the redacted stuff was Tucker Carlton taking shots at yeah. At, uh, you know, Management. Fox News and uh, the Murdochs. So it got personal. Which, isn't it ironic in the end? Mm-hmm. It's fucking wild. What, and again, we'll talk about it when Noel's here. But just my, just, yeah, if that's it, Fred, and, I, you know, I, I've, I've heard that, I saw it. Mm-hmm. That just would be the height of irony after being such a horrible horrible person it's the fact that he made some snarky remarks about the ceo of fox and the murdochs right 
Well, financially, it doesn't make sense to let the guy go. So it's got to be it's got to be something like that. Like, really? Because, again, I was looking at the numbers, uh, you know, the revenue that he generates there. So this was a this was a big decision. Yeah. Well, yeah. But there's also not the listen. We'll talk about it later. But there's a lawsuit. There's a there's that uh, young woman who worked for them. There's just Mm -hmm. a whole avalanche of stuff coming their way. And Mm -hmm. maybe they thought we've got to cut our losses in advance because it's another smart tech lawsuit coming that's for 2.5 billion dollars uh dan duran we will miss you and the news uh hopefully you'll make time for us tomorrow will do for sure and um thank you very much for uh hanging in for a hot eight now yeah i pushed push the envelope there appreciate thank you appreciate it okay all right well you guys enjoy your uh caster talk i'll be listening Mm. Right yeah. on. Right yeah. on, man. Um, here's a complete... Before we get to the Leafs, here's a completely different thing. I didn't even tell you. I thought you'd find this interesting. Getty Lee, in one of these uh, international magazines, or international um, rock music sites called Far Out... He was asked, uh, this was just a recent interview on the 18th of April. Let me just get this here. He was asked uh, what he thought was the most underrated band of all time. And I should have set this up better, but I'm trying to find something. What do you think Getty Lee of the international rock superstar outfit Rush what do you think he thought was the most underrated band of all time, Fred Patterson? Well, what's the criteria for underrated? You know what I mean? That's the first thing that comes to mind. But, you know, I always think to the next level. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know. Yeah. <sighs> underrated mean they didn't get the... Uh, I think he might say something like the tragically hip, but they... It, <sighs> oh, I was right? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. All right. This is a magazine in the UK. I'm sorry, I keep saying magazine. It's an online uh, thing in the UK. He said, the tragically hip from Canada. Here's how the question was asked. Um, When Lee was asked by Classic Rock who he believed the most underrated band was, he went with a Canadian national treasure. He says, they had huge godlike stature at home, but nowhere else. They had this perfect blend of simple twin guitar rock and roll and very evocative, thought-provoking lyrics. Um, yeah, that, that's the reason that I asked that question, because obviously they weren't underrated at home. And anybody, any professional that heard them always gave them great accolades. Yeah. Um, so I guess that means from a, uh, a fame standpoint, underrated. You know, the criteria, it's funny you ask that question. Funny, interesting. <clears throat> I, I never really thought about the criterium <clears throat> when I picked this out for you, but I thought, I wonder if Freddie can, uh, can guess it. And, and there you did. And it's there funny. you've gone and done it. And again, you know, music tastes subjective to me. Rush may be one of the most overrated bands of all time. What? That's what? my joke. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> That's Howard. That's okay. I knew Howard. one of dude. I knew one of us would do it because I literally thought the same thing. I was, you know, I you know, as a matter of fact, but I didn't want to say it first to give it away. But I figured, hey, one of us would get to it. I don't care. 
My uh, Boston Bruin friend Donnie Patterson's probably throwing something at his smart speaker right now. Because he loves his rush and his Boston Bruins, <laughs> oh, especially yeah. his rush. Mm. Um, yeah, I thought the same thing. I mean, there are, and I, here's how I was going to couch it. Not so much a joke, but a comment that there are people who would put rush in that opposite category. You know, I've kind of oh, come to more delicate way of saying it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. But, but I've come to sort of, you know, just as I never, I wasn't a huge hip fan to begin with because I really wasn't paying attention. I really wasn't. You know, once I started to later in my life pay attention to the band, uh, um, I loved them. Same with Rush, though. I was never really a big, you know, part of it is my background as a disc jockey really wasn't, I wasn't paying attention to the music like you guys were at CFNY. It was just something in between me yammering. And then as I got a little older, same with Rush, I used to just think, oh, they got a couple of good songs. I, I don't, I don't dislike them the, to the manner I may, I may have only because I appreciate them now yeah yeah I yeah I don't dislike them it's just it really has never fit into my taste buds it yeah. just it hasn't it's not my you know that style of music just isn't my cup of tea so yeah, no kidding speak. yeah so like, as good on as- them and you know we talk about underrated overrated I'm sure along the way, the Tragically Hip were promoted. You know, they did well in all the border towns, apparently, of the United States, but for some reason, never caught fire Mm -hmm. in the States. Rush did. Why? Like, who can ever answer that question? Yeah, don't get me wrong. You know, about there's still three or four Rush songs that I can hack my way through. Tom Sawyer's okay. Yeah, and so is this, because it's about our old radio station. Oh, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, anyway, speaking of radio, and we're going to get to the lease. Uh, just quickly, a guy that we, uh, he was the biggest announcer in town when I got here. Wally Crowder had had his time, and the guy that was sort of the number one FM dude was a guy named Don Daynard. And uh, Don and Aaron, that's kind of how Aaron, I just, what's her last name again? Davis. Thank you. <laughs> you know why? You know why I blank? Because I was thinking about Aaron Ventures. So Aaron Davis and Don, but yeah, I know. <laughs> no, given the fact that we spent a lot of time talking about her through the 90s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Saying some horrible things. Anyway. Like we were a young, uh, you yeah, know, yeah. We crazy, be, wacky morning show. Trying to be provocative. Trying to be provocative, immature, mm-hmm. very immature. Oh, yeah. We made, we said horrible things about her, Carla Collins. I think Carla Collins is going to be here tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Don Daynard was the guy, and uh, huge ratings, great story. Died uh, a few days ago at the age of 88. I think he was still working. I don't. I think he retired pretty early. I think he was a little younger than us, but not much. He was probably in his late fifties, early sixties. When at the time he retired, I only bring it up for a couple of reasons. One, when he retired in his late fifties, early sixties, I thought, man, I can't imagine us doing that at that age. Us still being announcing at that age, and you know, look here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he he left on his own accord, too. He wasn't fired, was he, at CHFI? Yeah, I, I don't think he was fired. No. 
maybe he got the, hey, do you think it's time to retire thing? Maybe. I don't know. He would have made some pretty good money. I don't think he made like... Sure. He didn't make Voldemort money. He didn't make uh, Voldemort Jr. money. I don't even know if he made Humble and Fred money, but he made some good money for a long time. Yeah. You know, timing is everything. And, uh, you know, he was huge in the business at the time where they weren't, weren't quite paying what they did, you know, maybe in the later 90s and... 2000s or 2010s boy i'm losing track here mm-hmm. yeah anyway i never met the man did you i did a couple times uh at a couple of events and he couldn't have been nicer the other reason i wanted to bring it up to you and i think i mentioned to this mentioned to you about this when i brought it up the other day off the air was there's that's it there there there's you know it's funny now that Marilyn is working with the guy she's working with, I think it's Jafar. Is it Jafar? I couldn't tell you. Okay. There's literally nobody on the air now that was on the air as a team, as a duo, as a single, that was on the air when we started in 1989, except for you and Yoi. You mean in any form? Any form. Mm -hmm. Like, Marilyn's still on the air, but she's not working with Roger and Rick. No. I mean, Marilyn would be the longest running morning show participant for sure. She was on the air just before we were. Mm -hmm. But in terms of radio personalities and teams and whatever, you know, Brother Jake and Jesse and Gene and Don and Aaron and Roger Rick and Marilyn and on and on and on. None of them are left. No. Time is cruel. And I mean... None of them are left for for various reasons, but probably at the top of the list now is age. <laughs> well, yeah. And think about age. Like, we outlasted yeah. Blundell. We outlasted Voldemort. Disgraced broadcaster John Derringer. Well, Dean does a podcast. Oh, I thought he didn't like podcasts. <laughs> sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. I thought he didn't like podcasts. No, I don't think he does it every day now or okay. whatever. But Well, no, that's right. He's still doing it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right he came over to the other side yeah that was pretty funny I, back in the early days there when he was still mm-hmm. doing radio and he heard mm-hmm. that we were doing a podcast well, didn't, he, didn't he call it cute mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's the cute. old guys are doing yeah. a podcast isn't that cute <laughs> <laughs> which in in many ways sort of exposes you as you know not much not very not being very innovative or opening your brain because howard Sturga caught that way too oh yeah he right. did he was crushing podcasts. They were stupid, and it's not really a, it's not really any form of radio or however you want to slice it and dice it. But now it's interesting. He often has podcasters on his show. Yeah, like Mark Maram is on a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so who has only mm-hmm. got podcast fame, which is really interesting to me. There's a whole yeah. bunch of guys like him, Corolla. Uh, a few other smartless that are they're they're not old radio guys like us. Uh, anyways, no. that's too bad. All the best to uh, you know people that love Don Daynard and fans and all that stuff. Um, I'm sure Aaron has a heavy heart this morning. Sure, I, I believe they had a very very solid relationship. I, I well, she has a, a lot to be grateful for because he really did make her. I mean, that was one of the big mm-hmm. teams of the time, and I mean, she's very talented, but he set her up for a great career. Okay, we got a lot to get to the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and such. Uh, Noel Kassler is going to join us in about 
I don't know, 20 or so minutes. First, let's talk about these fine folks. Oh, the retirement Sherpa, Tim Niblett, a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Tim will be by tomorrow for his weekly visit. Uh, we've sort of been going through the letters of Sherpa. Uh, you know, uh, what the certain letters can mean as far as uh, investing on. I think tomorrow's are actually. So we're looking forward to that. Always a creative twist with the retirement Sherpa. If you have a a portfolio handled by someone else, you're not happy, or you've often wondered whether it's performing the way it should, Sherpa will have a second look. Yes, he will. Tim will do that. No obligations, no strings attached. He'll just do it because he's that kind of a guy. If you're on the right track, he'll tell you. He's straight up. He's the retirement Sherpa, retirementsherpa.ca. Down, down, down. I'm going to get some uh, different music for this uh, next one here. Let me think. Uh, what would be good? Something upbeat uh, and uh, peppy for our new client. Arcadec Outdoor Living. Largest and oldest outdoor living builder in North America. With 88 locations building for more than 150,000 projects since 1980. And our new clients own and operate one of those locations here in Toronto. And what does that mean? That means they're general contractors that specialize in outdoor projects only. That's porches, patios, outdoor kitchens, pool, houses, hardscapes, and decks. They build a lot of decks, Frederick. They design and build beautiful outdoor living spaces for homeowners, and they're very, very good at it. The website is archideck.com. They're experts. They're a one-stop shop. They say they communicate really well, and they have a best-in-the-business warranty. And I don't know what your... Like, I've had some deck work done in the old place, in the matrimonial home. And I don't remember this. I don't remember some someone backing up their claims and work with real warranties. Every project has a one-year warranty on workmanship. And that's like... Could be like a loose screw. A two-year warranty on structure. And a National Guarantee Completion Fund that ensures every project is completed to your specifications. Now, that sounds like peace of mind. These warranties are offered by a third party and are documented in writing for every single client. They are real. Listen, we've all had projects where the people doing them have taken way too long. And then when it's done, there was like, hey, I didn't, didn't we say we were going to have this fixed? Well, it gets all done by Architect in writing. And if you're a Humble and Fred listener... Hey, listen, man, this isn't a um, an impulse buy, but if you've been thinking about getting this done, this is a great time to show your humble and Fred love and get a hold of Arcadec.com. That's Arcadec, A-R-C-A-D-E-C-K.com. Whew. <clears throat> you know, I sent you a, a text last night. And uh, I think you didn't understand. You sort of, not that you took it out of context. I think you were actually thinking, I was actually asking you what was happening. So at some point in the third period when the Leafs tied it up, I think I said, I, I texted you in capital letters, what the fuck is happening? Like, what is going on with this team? And then your response was funny. You said, I fell asleep in the second period. I have no idea what happened. (laughs) (laughs) But overtime should be interesting. Now, I wrote back. I said, that's hilarious because I fell asleep in the first period. And then I watched them come back from three goals down. 
Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't. It uh, when it got to be four one, I flipped over to the um, Blue Jay game, and from an upright position, I decided to lay on my comfortable couch down here mm. in the rec room, and that's usually, you know, that's usually lights out, and it was. So uh, I drifted off, and then when I heard my phone go ding. I, it sort of woke me up, and I looked, and that was your message. And it was all in caps, what you said. Yeah. So I thought, oh, what's he talking about? So I flipped over to the game, and it was 4-4. Four, four, and I thought, oh, look at this. <laughs> and then during the commercials, I'm quickly trying to figure out exactly what happened. And uh, it was nice to see that the the big boys were the big boys. And that's what you need. I, I, another thing it's funny, mm-hmm. interesting. I wrote down the following sentence. Big players played big. Big players played big, and that's what teams do when they win. And uh, that's what happened last night. You know, my neighbor John keeps sending me um, stuff saying, this team is different, and I keep responding, I hope you're right. We'll see. But this team is different. And, you know, I'm in the same position this morning. Um, Now we will see if this team is different. They have three shots to close it. Three. Like they did against Montreal two years ago. Last year they had two opportunities to close. And we know the the result of that. Did you see that statistic I sent you? Yeah, crazy. Yes. It was a crazy statistic before last night. Of the last 18 games they've played in the playoffs with a series lead, they were 1-17. and 17. Which means they they can't close. They they don't have that killer instinct. Well, now it's two and seventeen, which is great, uh, but they've got to they got to close it now. Tomorrow night is huge. You don't want to go back to Tampa, obviously. So let's see what they're made of. Let's see if this team is different. Well, every night is huge, mm-hmm. and yep. you know, last night they fell behind four one in Tampa Bay. And you know they're they're going to have. I, and I, I listen. I'm on a. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's hard to compete or comment. I'm not compete. It's hard to debate what you're saying. Sure. Yeah. Because you don't know. Because you don't know, and it's hard to. Mm-hmm. But it's and it's it's a thing in sports. You, you sort of look at the the past and how it, inf- it affects what's this team's. You know, perhaps mm-hmm. could do. But you mm-hmm. know, listen. I got nothing invested other than I'm, a, I'm I'm an interested in observer. But I wrote the following down. I wrote big players played big, and they showed mm-hmm. some grit. They showed something. Here's the thing about experience, especially when it comes to sports psychology. Mm-hmm. You can't have experience without having some experiences, and the experience they got last night. So let me take it back. The experience they got coming back in. The other game, scoring late and winning in overtime. I think what that did is it helped them last night, knowing that, hey, anything's possible. They were down 3-1. They score four goals. They, they score 4-1, four four I'm sorry. And they yeah. score uh, three to tie it up. Mm-hmm. And then they win in overtime. Mm-hmm. Even if they lose the next game, I still think now, based on what I just said, I think they win the series. Because, you know, I just think they do because they're, and, and because they're going to have a game. They, Tampa Bay is going to win another game. I wish they wouldn't, but chances are they will. Which would be it's got to be game five Thursday night in Toronto. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be great. Listen, it would be fantastic if they had another one of those games where they win seven one. Three years ago against three years ago against uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets during the bubble series, the bubble Stanley Cup playoffs here in Toronto on home ice. 
Leafs had a three. Uh, they were down three nothing to Columbus, and I I believe it was in game. It was a best of five, I believe. In game four, they're down three nothing. They tie it and win it in overtime to go to game five. Right, the deciding game of that series, mm-hmm. and they lost. They lost it three nothing. Mm-hmm. So again, it's just. You know, prove it, baby. Here we are. It's yeah, laying yeah. there for you. Let's see. Let's let's do her. Let's get her done. And that's because I believe I believe what on the heels of what you're saying. If they do, this is a whole this is a whole new frontier now. Well, I think they're close. I think they're getting the experiences they need to make it a whole new frontier. The weird. I want to talk about why I fell asleep so early. So there's been, I mean, a few of our emails were people talking about tipping yesterday. Another thing I mentioned, just a sort of a weird thing, is that I, I was thinking about eating the same thing because when I had the pasta meal, they'd won so convincingly. Mm-hmm. And there was a couple of people on Twitter said, did you, Howie, did you have the same thing? What I had, did you want to say something quickly? No, no, no. I was going to say, I'll, I'll, yeah. what I had to eat last night is I got these pierogies. And, uh, I don't know what made me want to get pierogies. You know, I, I never eat them, but they're very heavy. They're very mm. glutinous. Yeah. It always seems like a better idea than it turns out to be. One of those things that tastes good, but once you've eaten them, it's like, why did I do that? So and it, so I ate dinner. Then I sit down and I thought the game was on at seven. It was on at 730. So I watched mm. a bunch of CNN by quarter to eight to eight o'clock at the latest. I was literally dozing in my chair. Right. So I I slept for a good I'd say forty five minutes. So I had to catch up to the game, and that's why it made me laugh that you said you had fallen asleep. I'm like, look at the fucking two of us. We can't stay up past nine. Well, again, you know, I mean, to the Leafs' credit, they came back and won last night. But for the first forty five minutes of that game, they weren't really in it. You know what I mean? And it got to be four one. So I'm thinking, oh, I'll see what the Jays are doing. Mm-hmm. I would have gone back to the Leaf game, but as I said, once I lay down on this couch. So in my mind, it's like, uh, Leafs aren't going to win, and Jay's early season, I lay down, and I fall asleep. Yeah. And it was a nice deep sleep. But I did the same thing. So I go upstairs when it's 4-4 to tell Delise and my mother-in-law, who's here visiting, that the Leafs had tied it. So I said, oh, they said, oh, put it on. So I put it on, and I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute. The other night when they won an overtime, I was down on the couch at a certain position in the rec room, so I better go down there, which I did. Had a boy. And I <laughs> That's did. That's great. I love that. And the same outcome. And I, as ridiculous and silly as that is, um, yeah, I did it. Yeah, it's great. That's what we do. Us guys. You know, I uh, I was – so they tied up, and it was – you're right. It's not so much that they didn't look – Sharp, but Tampa Bay looked good. That's going to happen. Tampa Bay had a good game, and the Leafs, you know, you know, they had, they 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 they're not going to be great every second of every game. But the fact that they came back, and the fact that that Matthews and the other big guns came up big, and that other, by the way, that kid, what's his name? Matthew Nyes. Oh fuck! What a gem! Every time he's on the ice, mm-hmm. you can't take your eyes off him. He's in every play. And you're right. I thought of you last night, too, when you said, you know, he's going to get a goal. He's going to get a goal. He's he's around mm-hmm. it all the time. Yes. You can feel it coming. So what's going to happen is explain there's a there's a um, a guy that was out. Was he injured? Yeah. Or did he, was he Mike, no, Michael Bunting, who got the three game suspension for that elbow 
to the head of Chernak or whatever his name is. He's uh, like one of their better players. He's like, you know, top five well, or six players, is he not? Yes, he. you know, he's up and down. You know, he's in the doghouse, then he's not. He's just one of those players. And uh, so now they're in a bit of a dilemma because there's no way Nice is coming out of the lineup. So if they want Bunting back in, plus the problem with Bunting is, again, he's a bit like Kadri was, like, he can go off, right, and then cost you, end up in the penalty box like he did to be suspended. So I don't know. Somebody else will have to come out. Who that might be, you know, that uh, Aston Reese or Austin Reese or whatever his name is, uh, or maybe, you know, uh, Lafferty, one of those guys. I I, I don't know what they're going to do. You know who else had a, a pretty decent game? I mean, again, I it's you know, he's, he's let in some goals, but, you know, the goaltender guy is pretty good. He had a pretty good game. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, he had a couple of not weak goals, but he had a couple of goals that he might have gotten. But he's not. He's not what I thought he was after watching the first game. Who's Samsonov? Yeah, he's doing pretty good. Well, the thing he's making the big save. Yeah, like that's the that's the point. Leafs have struggled with that over the past few years too. Goalies have been all right, but when they really need the big save, they haven't made it. He's sort of the opposite. Yeah, he's making the big save. I just got a text, uh, Nick Shepard, we call him Shep, up uh, from the Tin Palace. He's a huge Leaf fan. Leafs, baby Leafs. He says, I still can't believe it. This is a guy that's got a Leaf logo tattooed on his uh, calf. So this is the type of Leaf devotion we're talking. Mm -hmm. And And that Leaf Nation this morning is over the roof, which is great. It's fantastic. Yeah. And and you know what? (laughs) It's, um, you know... If somebody thinks, oh, you know, how are you jumping on the bandwagon? I've said it over and over again. I can't give a crap about the Leafs in February, but the Leafs in April, I, I, April, I find interesting. Well, you know where I come from on that uh, professional sports. You owe it nothing. It mm-hmm. owes you nothing. You know, if it, it you know, titillate me, uh, entertain me, and you got me. If you don't, I'm gone. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, and it, did, just, it, it did all that. It's just the way it is, baby. That's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. I find it entertaining. I, and, and, it and the fact that they came back mm-hmm. is great. It was exciting because it means something. I, you know, and I heard, I listened to the post-game show last night um, with Jim Ralph, who is still a very funny man. He is. Um, but you know they're going to have the conversations. In game five. Okay, we're at home. We don't want to go back to Tampa Bay. We can get this monkey off our back, this gorilla off our back, whatever you want to call it. So we've got to come out. We can't waste any time. We've just got to come out and play hard from the opening face-off. Hopefully they will. Hopefully they can. Hopefully that happens. Because to win this in five would be... Well, it would just be the greatest thing ever. More rest, obviously. Not have to go back to Tampa. Great attitude going in against the Bruins. So many things. Well, not being the keen observer you are, Mm. but momentum is a, a wonderful thing in sport. And success, you know, gives confidence. Confidence breeds more success. And 
you know, like I said a minute ago, it, it wouldn't surprise me if Tampa Bay wins another game, but wouldn't it be great, as you say, if the Leafs could take this momentum coming back in game three, winning game four, coming back again, and bringing that to the opening of this next game and, and, and having it be one of those games. I don't really want it to be a close game. If they win, can't we just mm-hmm. have like a 5-2 or a 6-1 well, here's the problem with the Leafs, and, you know. Here, okay, here's more problems with the no, Leafs. No, I'm just saying, given their history, <laughs> if they lose Game 5, immediately the narrative will be, is this going to happen again? They don't need that in their heads. For sure. They just don't need that in their heads. So they would do themselves a huge favor by ending this thing in 5. Because if it doesn't, you're going to hear about those stuff. I'll, I'll talk about it. Of course. They will have to go back to Tampa, blah, blah, blah. But fairly you know, or unfairly, I think a little bit unfairly, but I get where your mm-hmm, perspective mm-hmm. comes from. But, you know, I'm I'm more about living in the now, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, all those past failures and stuff, it can't help but affect them. But they're now getting a bit of a cleansing, it seems to me, because they are playing. I wrote down there. They're playing with something I never hear you much talk about much with them is a bit of a grit they got a bit they got a bit of a grit on now howie last year you, you, i mean you talk about learning yeah again but the problem is the sample size is just a little too long six years number one number two last year in game six in tampa they could have ended the series took it overtime and lost that could have been huge for them yeah you know what I mean? But it wasn't. So we're still in that position, and it's show me time. And listen, I got to listen. I listen. I'm, later with Bodog, I'm going to give you the odds. I mean, chances are, yes, they're going to win this series. But again, we've been here before, and this is it now. This is the show me time, prove it time. Show me, show me. Listen. We're ready to no, go. Hey, speaking of which, when yes. you talk about momentum, 2019, uh, Ryan O'Reilly, who's now a member of the Maple Leafs, and who is getting a lot of credit for what's happened the last couple of games just because he's been through it. St. Louis Blues, 2019. At Christmas, they're the worst team in the National Hockey League. Absolute bottom of the number 31 or whatever it was at the time. They end up winning the Stanley Cup. They got on a roll, right? Mm-hmm. Just get into the playoffs and ended up winning the Stanley Cup for exactly what you said. Momentum. They got on a roll. They started looking at each other going, we can beat anybody. And they did. They won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, it's so, a funny thing in uh, mm-hmm. sport how that happens. And that's why I said, you know, you get a little success, you get some confidence, you get confidence, you get more success. And maybe, and, I, and listen, I'm, listen, let me say listen as well. Mm-hmm. It would be great if they win the next game. It would just be great for all the reasons you pointed out and for the reasons I've said, which is right. now you've got some confidence. Okay, mm-hmm. let's uh, take a second here before Noel checks in and we... Go all Trump and Fox and Carlson and Don Lemon and, you know, indictments and, uh, you know, we jump right into that with Noel Kassler, as I said, former uh, Trump uh, producer and uh, now a Washington insider. But first, here's Freddie with this. Well, let's uh, look at the bow dog. I, I, I'm going to look at the series now after last night's game with the Maple Leafs up three games to one. They are minus fourteen hundred to win the series. A $100 bet, or you got to bet $1,400 to win a 100 Okay, not a very good bet. But uh, look at Tampa, plus $750. I bet you there's some people looking at that. <laughs> so, uh, 
is that a bet? You know, they are they going to win three in a row? There are people looking at that. Sure there are. Anyway, whether you're a sports bet or a horse racing fan, a poker, a casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from the industry-leading odds, world-class sports book, and feature-rich poker room to their full, fully loaded casino and race book. They've uh, been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. That's Bodog. I'll tell you about uh, GoDaddy. GoDaddy, powering small business and entrepreneurs for over 25 years and servicing over 20 million customers worldwide. GoDaddy is where people come to get a domain, create a website, and everything else you need to get your business online. Do you have a great idea for a small business? Do you, huh? Or a side hustle? Maybe it's that brilliant idea you've been dreaming about and sitting on for a while or that online store you've been wanting to finally launch and sell your products. There's no better time than now to get it online. You can find your domain, create your website with GoDaddy, and bring it to life with their free and friendly. Those are two uh, wonderful things. Free and friendly, 24-7 phone support. They're here to help you every step of the way. You can even start your website for free with GoDaddy today and try it out. No credit card is even required. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. little Bruce Hornsby for you. What was your pregame meal last night? Well, Delise went and got my mother-in-law, and she walked in with a nice feed of mince curry. Oh. So I had uh, mince curry and all made a lovely uh, spinach salad with walnuts. Uh some apple in it and uh, it was nice it sounds good uh, mince curry is uh, one of my favorites I love chicken curry well I love all curry but her mince curry is nice over rice it's delicious a little mango pickle on the side my son (laughs) Jesus you're lucky man you're lucky man um we got a couple minutes, I think, uh, maybe m- not more than a one or two. So uh, let's uh, let me get this uh, taken care of. Huh. That was a weird moment there a second ago. Let me go here. Let me do this. Hi Just a quick uh, couple of emails from yesterday. Um, yeah, the one that was sent to you is probably the one we should read first. Mike Oxpig? The one about my chub? That yeah, one? man. If by chance the Leafs end up closing out this series and Fred gets his chub, will he measure the length and thickness of his root and divulge those numbers on air? Uh, Riveting radio awaits. If that's what you want, Mike, that's what you'll get. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, there's there's a, you know, there's a round one chub, you know, and then you go all the way to the finals. Who knows what kind of rager you'll get? Yeah, as long as we never reveal Dan Duran, uh, Dan Duran's uh, numbers. No, they're gross. You know, I'd be willing to do that. Next to Dan, it would be humiliating. No, it's just gross. Um, I'm going to save the Zach uh, just before Noel gets here. Uh, a bunch of people uh, concurred or agreed or related to. Hi, guys, says Mike Parker. Regarding tipping at restaurants for pickup, as Dan briefly mentioned on yesterday's show, the issue is that they're using the same point-of-sale system as they use with the seated customers. 
However, they should have an option to skip or enter zero. Even going to a pizza joint for their walk-in specials, I haven't seen the tip feature and can usually bypass it one way or the other. Mike Parker says, I'm 100% in agreement about not tipping on a pickup order. By the way, average heart rate is 65 BPM, bowel movement normal, weight 181 pounds. Stay strong. Regards, OG Hundy P, since October 2011, Michael Parker. And we thank you, Michael. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know... <sighs> I wonder, that's a good point about the point of sale machines. I wonder if you actually ask the people within a takeout place whether they expected tips or they were just hopeful or it would be like, well, we just use that. No, we don't expect the tip. You walked in. Yeah. But again, uh, would it be a situation where when they hand it to you, there's something they could hit that would not reveal a tip option? Maybe that would be the way to go. But Again, as he says, if you do, if you just click dollar and then put zero, then that's a way to get by it as well. Well, and I think what you say is interesting too, because interesting, because mm. maybe they just think the because they, what they're doing is they're saying the average person won't do what I do, which which I which I did, which is I don't want to give you a tip because I just picked up the food. I think most people would just go, oh, okay, here's here's something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's for another time, my friend. It's uh, once again time to welcome back. One of our favorite contributors who, uh, when we first met him, he was just, I don't know what he was, but he's, <laughs> <laughs> but he's turned himself, by the way, you know, I, when you, when you first came on the show, I was all excited about you being a, a former uh, producer for The Apprentice, but you know what I call you now? I call you a, a Washington insider. Oh, wow. How nice. you like that? How you like that shit? Uh, please welcome uh, our good friend. And Washington Insider, uh, Noel Kassler of the Noel Kassler Podcast. Uh, what does it say here? Mike says uh, Noel's promoting his Substack. We'll do that later. And he does these car rants, which I think everyone should watch. And of course, as I tweeted out today or the yesterday, gee, I wonder what Noel and I and Fred will talk about today. Hmm. I saw that. Yeah, I, I saw that at like three in the morning. It made me laugh. Jeez, I, I wonder what we'll talk about. Anyway, first, let's ch- catch up. Are you okay? You feeling okay? You all right? I'm good. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's great to see you guys. It's always a pleasure. That uh, You were still up at 3 a.m. I guess what? You're too excited over that Leaf victory last night, eh? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we all uh, had trouble tingling sleeping. Tingling with excitement, you know? Yeah, tingling. It was yeah. too much for all of us, man. Um, I, I listen, I, it's funny, Dan Duran, who's not with us right now. I mean, he's not dead or anything, but he said, he said earlier in the show, when he first saw the headline, Tucker Carlson fired, he thought, oh, not that can't be, that must be a joke. And I think a lot of us, it was so almost surreal that so many things happened in the last 24 hours. We'll get to Don Lemon after, but what about your first reaction? Uh, it was unbelievable. I mean, I was sitting there at my breakfast table, you know, it, And it hit me. I was in complete shock, as I think everybody in the sort of media world was. It's a stunning firing. 
I have a buddy who who's an anchor at Fox and he's not one of like the scumbags you see at night. He was a normal news guy at a local Fox affiliate who got sort of swallowed up into the network news. And he told me a year ago, he said, like, everybody hates Tucker Carlson. He only listens to this little coterie of producers that, that he has and he won't listen to the bosses and like the network brass and all those guys can't stand him. So there was definitely knives out, but it's still incredibly shocking because he was the number one show on the network you know you usually don't fire your golden goose you know yeah you know tucker i always got the impression he was the type of guy at high school you just wanted to slap in the face all the time plus you know just so privileged the way he like he doesn't really have to answer to anybody because money is not an issue the money at fox is no issue from the family that he comes from so the question now is, where does he end up? But you know, it's interesting you say that, because I remember not liking Tucker Carlson when he was wearing that stupid bow tie on CNN. Exactly. Like, think about this. He's now been fired from CNN, MSNBC, and Fox, where I think some of the uh, conversations should lead the three of us is, what's our theory as to why? Well, that's 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 what we should be talking about. I mean, obviously, the talking heads in the Los Angeles Times thinks it's because of this Grossberg case. I believe I'm getting her name right. Abby Grossberg, the former producer who had you know, text messages and evidence. Apparently, he when he was when he was in the office, because he mainly shot the show up in Maine. Most people don't realize that he made oh, the yeah. yeah, out of a garage in Bryant Pond, Maine. And his staff were all these little 20-year-old racists that he brought over from the Daily Caller, which, of course, he founded. But, you know, in person, he would use the C word to describe females. He was a real jerk. I think there was a clue. If you remember that interview with Matt Gates about a year ago, when Matt was in all the trouble, when his intern, you know, when his Venmo sex scandal story broke, mm-hmm. Matt said to Carl, and somebody should get this clip and put it on Twitter, said, hey, remember the night you met her? We all went out to dinner together with mm-hmm. you. And Tucker's like, bro, <laughs> you know, yeah. no, no, you know, and cut him off. And he was never asked back on Tucker's show. So, you know, I, I think obviously, you know, the, the, the monetary situation of the pending lawsuits, what they had to pay out to Dominion, my theory, and I did a car rant on it yesterday, and it's just, you know, me extrapolating on the situation. But I think the shooting in in Kansas was a galvanizing moment, not in terms of, you know, they care about violence or gun violence. But that old man, the 85 year old who shot the 16 year old boy who knocked on his door. That guy was listening to Fox 24 seven. His grandson said it. So I think, sadly, that's just the beginning of more of those cases. And I think if there's anybody close to Rupert Murdoch, who's a lawyer, they'd probably whisper in his ear like there's real world repercussions for what Tucker is saying, because Tucker was different than the rest of them. He was like Mm -hmm. going after people. He was a real, you know, race baiting kind of bigot in a way that even Sean Hannity and these other guys weren't. And uh, I, I like to think that that factored into it a little. Yeah, I think if anybody had a, a conversation on what makes up an evil person, he, you know, he ticks all the boxes. He's an evil person, but that evilness turned into big ratings because of who he attracted on Fox. I, in a sad statement on America that he he's the number one cable news guy mm-hmm. when he's so it's not even debatable. He's just an evil, rotten person. 
hundred percent. And like Howard said, he was that way in the nineties when he was just a journalist before even Crossfire. He was a no. bow tie, sniveling little yes. school squad squash court brat. You know. So one of the things I found uh, curious. Because I'm trying to find a different word than interesting. Is uh, as soon as I saw this, I went to his Twitter feed. I don't know if you checked it out. So he didn't. He hasn't. He has yet to put a statement out. But on his Twitter feed, people were already commenting on an older tweet, on an older post, I should say. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you, Freddie. Here's the big surprise: overwhelming, overwhelming support in his favor. Yeah, there are some people saying, fuck you, ding dong, the witch is dead, all that stuff. But like 10 to 1 people in favor of him. And what that should tell you in a, in a weird way is that that's scarier than anything. That, that, that's the effect of Tucker Carlson. As somebody tweeted, now Tucker Carlson can spend more time with his racism. But mm-hmm. the, I was I don't know what I was expecting, Noel, but I didn't I wasn't expecting the outpouring of support for him. Uh, yeah, and, and that's well said. And that's the scary part is it will be a galvanizing moment for the nationalist movement. And the nationalist movement was the KKK 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the neo-Nazis 30 years ago. Now they call themselves patriots. And, mm-hmm. and and Tucker doesn't really lose anything in this equation, right? He loses his job and the airwaves, but he could make $80 million on a podcast tomorrow. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was doing it. He, I think that was part of the reason he would do it remotely out of the Bryant pot prop, you know, pond garage in Maine. I think he probably, you know, was trying to build an infrastructure where he wouldn't need Rupert Murdoch and News Corp and a big studio on Sixth Avenue. But but he's got all that Swanson money behind him, too. So money is not like how much money do you need? He like he does it because. He's evil and he likes to shit disturb. And, you know, it's one of those pivotal things, too, in relationships, too. Like uh, there's a guy up in uh, Canada called Theo Fleury. You might know him. He played for the Calgary Flames and he's turned into a whack job. Well, he loves Tucker Carlson and would go down to the show, I guess, in Maine and diss Canada. Now, he's a despicable little person, yet he loves Tucker Carlson. We know some people personally who retweet Tucker Carlson stuff. And you're in a position where you go, if you find this guy acceptable, I feel weird around you now. Mm-hmm. He's, he's that polarizing, that, that type of figure. Absolutely. And, you know, he could run for president. Yeah, yes. he, he could team up with Trump, and that would be like a pretty scary proposition. Yeah. You know? hey, hey, speaking of Canadians, I saw one of your tweets yesterday because I went to you, and now that you're a Washington insider, I went right. What is Noel saying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did you mean in that tweet that you're getting a lot of Canadians? Right. And I love Canada. You know, people got offended as they always do. Everybody takes everything personally on Twitter. You know, I was asking my audience, like, I'm noticing a lot more bots coming from Canada and a lot more, you know, like you said, the flurry guy, a lot of dudes like Canadian flags and their monikers that aren't necessarily bots. You know, I check out the accounts and they have a thousand followers or whatever, but they seem to be a lot more aggressive and a lot more present on Twitter as of late. I don't know if that's because of the de-evolution of Twitter that Elon Musk has brought about. I mean, it was always a rough place and now it's just kind of a cesspool. But there's an uptick in Canadian based sort of fascist tweets and Twitter presence. And and I wanted to see if 
you know, other people were experiencing that and they were, especially mm-hmm. other people like a playmate girl who has a pretty big account was like, yeah, I thought it was just me and my friends. It's crazy because it was like every other troll these days is from Canada. And I wanted to point it out because, you know, we, you got to be aware of that. You can't just be like, everybody's nice and polite up here. We don't no, have any not. problems because what we're exporting to the world is a virus. Like you said, right. Tucker's poison goes across borders right it, you know and it infects minds up there and this stuff it spreads on itself exponentially right because one guy tells his buddy about it you know at the bar hey you need to check out tucker carlson you know the jews really are getting us oh yeah you know? right you know, oh yeah we of, are you know <laughs> well the, the conservative leader here in canada pierre poliev i don't know if you've heard of him but he has that stink on him that fascist far-right stink on w- whether it's deserved to the extent it is. Who knows? That That's yet to be answered. But yeah, because of him, because of what he aligns himself with, it's really opened that door pretty wide here in Canada. People thinking, boy, again, just like Trump, if, that, if the guy at the top of that party can say or think those things, mm-hmm. now I can. And, and I think that's what we're going through. And we're into the second or third year of this. It started with the pandemic and the anti-vax movement out west, and then it became the trucker convoy, and then it became the freedom convoy. Right. Here's an interesting thing. I want to, because, of course, Trump weighs in, and I, and I get your Trump perspective, as always. I, I don't have the article open, but basically Trump was asked, this is so Trump, he's like, yeah, I was completely surprised because, you know, all he thinks of is Tucker's a great guy. Tucker had high ratings. Tucker was always good to him. He doesn't see anything else about the guy other than how it affected Trump. But here's the uh, the comma I wanted to say. I was watching this last night and it really surprised me, but didn't surprise me of just how much support Donald Trump still has in your country. Like 80 percent of the GOP is still behind this guy. And here's the frightening part, because a large part of them still think he's the president, had the election stolen. And you know what? Incumbents always win. I'm sorry, it's tough to beat an incumbent. And in their minds, this is the part I've wanted to get your thoughts on. They think he's the incumbent. Yeah, that's an astute thing. <laughs> and that's a powerful, you know, that's a powerful rock to move out of these people's way. Oh, yeah. Because that I hadn't even thought of it before to, until you put it that way. But that's absolutely correct. He's my president. Right. They're already operating under that thing. So that makes them less likely to, you know, consider the accomplishments of Biden's which administration, which are kind of staggering for two years. Right. And for an old man, he's actually gotten a lot done, you know, the most jobs in two years and all this kind of stuff. And the guys who need to hear that aren't going to hear it because they're still dealing with the Trump aggrievement. And to loop it back into Tucker Carlson, Tucker was the biggest proponent of the January 6th BS to the point that Kevin McCarthy, to become Speaker of the House, had to hand over the January 6th tapes, 40,000 hours to Tucker Carlson. Mm -hmm. He could run some kind of special on how it was a scam. And obviously there was nothing there. So Tucker never really did anything with it. But think of that, Mm -hmm. you know, perpetuate that lie and to get the job as Speaker, the GOP had to acquiesce to both Trump and Tucker in this wild conspiracy. And that's going to be hard to dislodge in the next election on numbers. You know, it'll probably break the same way. Like you said, Trump's got a 15 point lead again over DeSantis at this point, who's just flaming out like an animatronic doll. That's <laughs> short. circuit. I don't know if you saw his bobblehead yeah, no, thing is very funny. I mean, he's failing in a spectacular way, which is fun to watch and, and heartening. But 
it's only emboldening and strengthening Trump, you know, and Trump is going to be the slicker campaigner than Biden. That's just a fact. You know, I love Biden. You know that I went to the White House and all that, but he's not a great public speaker. You know, his age does show Trump's a kind of a doddering old man, too, but he's got artificial stimulants and he's got a script he knows well, and he's just going to hit those points of agreement, aggrievement. How bizarre. What a weird situation, though, because even polling in the United States still, most Democrats, I think it's 52 percent, don't think he should run again. Yeah, I saw that last night. Yet they ha- he has to because other polls say he's the only guy that can beat Trump. Yeah. So if they bring a new face in there, it's good for Donald Trump. So we have to prop up this old man. And again, take nothing away from his accomplishments. But you got to be a little concerned. Two years away from the election or whatever it is, a year and a bit. And then another four years as president with him. That's scary. But it's the only weapon they have against Donald Trump right now. <laughs> I know. Yet most of the party realizes he probably shouldn't run, but he is. I know. Crazy. Yeah, we're 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 in many ways we're in a terrible position. You know, because he is our only option. And I know we always listen. We all. And to your point, and it's a good one. You know, if you actually looked at the Biden record, it's pretty good. Certainly, you know, you you could have a debate like the old days where you could say to say, well, this is what the Trump administration did or didn't do, and this is what these guys did. But you can't really debate on the fact that the man would be close to his eighty sixth birthday at the end of another term. And, you know, they're very careful with him. Yeah, he had a great uh, State of the Union. You know, it was very fiery and he seemed with it. But, you know, Freddie and I were down in San Miguel uh, in Mexico for a month, hanging around with a lot of guys in their late 70s and their 80s. You know, and these guys are great. They're playing golf every day and they're going to gym on Saturdays. But I don't want any, <laughs> I don't want any of them running the fucking world. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, a, that's an old man at 81, 2, 3, and 4, you know? And so will Trump be. That's, you know, yes. I mean, it's just a comparative thing. If if Biden wasn't the guy, you'd be looking at Trump going, he's too old. Yeah. And you know what? I agree with you. You know, we have a situation now where Senator Feinstein can't do her job. Yeah. Right. She's got shingles and she's, you know, recuperating in San Francisco since <laughs> February. She's Dude, like 90 years old. Check this know? out. Mm. Fred and I, Fred and I both watched the hockey game last night and both of us in our 60s at, mm-hmm. at several times fell asleep. Here's the right. thing. Just quickly before you go, Freddie, we thought we all were around in the 80s when Ronald Reagan in 1980 was like this old man. And he sort of talked like this. He was 69 when he was elected for the first time. Do you think maybe the uh, the strategy is get the guy back into office for another term and then and then come up with a reason that he's got to uh, he's got to go? Yeah, I mean, that might be part of it. It could be. I mean, Mm. it's a problem. I agree with you guys. I don't think it's optimal in anybody's world. I think that age and experience can be useful, like a conductor. Right. You Mm. know, he's he's there to sort of coordinate what all the other departments are doing. And you can make an argument that that works well. And it certainly worked well in this first term. He was never saying he would seek a a second term in the first place. He ran because he thought he was the best shot the party had at beating Trump Mm -hmm. and was going to back away. The problem we got into is he picked, you know, a black woman as a vice president who I happen to like, but nobody else seems to like, even in the party and that's going to be another sort of tool in the rights toolbox say it's us or it's a black woman you know mm-hmm. what do you want to do hey, uh, but you know f- further to trump yesterday this story sort of got buried um whoever that woman is in georgia 
she alerted she alerted everybody that an indictment could be coming the end of uh, june or early july and the whole idea was uh, security and uh, preparing um for that eventuality so it looks like he's going to be indicted for that how is that going to affect his running because sometimes when you look at him you almost get a sense of resignation that he's doing this but he knows he's in big trouble yeah well he does know he's in big trouble he has a civil yeah. trial starting today in manhattan with a friend of mine e.g carroll who he mm-hmm. oh you assaulted, know assaulted you know in a burn oh, what do you mean she's a friend of yours? The, one, the one that he allegedly raped allegedly yeah he did he raped her of but course. yeah she's a friend of mine you know she was a columnist very attractive woman she looked just like marla maples and they were out shopping together he ran into her in bergdorf goodman's he pushed her into a stall and had his way with her and i've i've spoken with her i've read her description anybody who's been around trump it's exactly how he behaves the way he described like the oppositional defiance disorder that she has you know they were picking out scarves for his secretary ostensibly and she'd be like how about this one he'd be like no that's ugly that's how he is. Like, mm-hmm. he's always giving you the opposite. So there was clues in her story that if you know Trump, he did it. And I, I, I know other people that he's raped, very young girls and, you know, teenagers. And really, he's a he's a gnarly bad guy, as I started telling you guys when I first came on this show. So but the point being, and I know her lawyer, Robbie Kaplan, who's an incredibly capable lawyer. So he has that trial starting today. Just think about that for a minute. You know, the guy who had tried to overthrow the government, right? The guy who modeled <laughs> COVID, the guy who has a million other cases about his financial stuff and not paying his taxes is going on a civil trial for lying about raping somebody. And he's going on trial because he disparaged her. Because when the reporters asked him about it, he said, she's not my type. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If somebody's accusing me of rape, that's not the first thing that's coming <laughs> that's out of my right. mouth. That's right, exactly. I'm like, hell no, let me give my DNA. I did not do it. There's no way. I remember He's like, that. Yeah, I wouldn't rape her. Come on. <laughs> that's, that is like the worst rape defense. Yeah, she's not my type, man. But unfortunately, that's why the Georgia news is somewhat encouraging because... You know, the, what we just went through in New York, for some reason, sexual issues don't seem to play with the in- evangelicals don't don't seem to care if they like their guy. They like their guy. They no. tend to overlook. So even this rape thing and they always have Bill Clinton to point to, too. Right. So it's those things don't seem to have much traction, even if he's accused. You know, this is only a civil case, so we can't go to jail oh, for this. Very true. But the problem, that's why we need Georgia. We need something like that. What's most fascinating, I was going to say. Sex stuff doesn't play. What's fascinating is any one of these things in our lifetime, in the old days, in the Reagan days, and then the Clinton days, and then the early 2000s, Mm -hmm. the the George Bush days, any one of the things that we've mentioned. And by the way, Mm -hmm. we're not even talking about the DOJ, who's going to bring charges against him for seditious treason. Any one of these little details would have been enough to bring down any candidate in our lifetimes. But that's where we're at right now. And that's why it's so frightening because they keep talking about this. They were saying it last night, the line, the line, the line keeps moving. But we're at a place now where, you know, anything that we've mentioned, even in this little conversation, would have been enough for a guy not to be able to win the presidency. 
But see, I, I think that's another byproduct of social media, right? Because when you maybe didn't have it, it was everything was sort of face value for you to judge as an individual. You know, your morals maybe came into play. Here, you're on social media. All this stuff is being justified through algorithms that you are part of. You know, yeah. And it's like. You know, it's not that bad. I read today, this guy, that guy, they all said it wasn't that bad. So you know what? I want it to be not that bad, so it's not. That might be right. the case, but it doesn't take mm-hmm. away from the fact that that, that might be the explanation. Mm-hmm. But we're in it. Whatever whatever got us here, we're in a territory we've never been before. Because oh. you said, you said Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was accused of a lot of things, including murder. But mm-hmm. uh, like, <laughs> you know, but for some reason, like... Mm-hmm. Anyway, where, where what were you going to say, Noel? <laughs> I love Vince Foster shout out. That's a throwback. How'd you like you that know? little uh, <laughs> fucking whitewater, baby? <laughs> I'll tell you guys some Bill Clinton stories. You know, I was Clinton's escort in New York City, like whenever he went to an event for like a lot of years. And uh, well, what does that I, mean? I, what I mean, like you were his body man? Where you were? What is yeah, that? Like when you show up at a gig to do an event, I'd be the guy assigned to him, so I'd meet him in the Secret Service at the door, and you know, sort of hang with him throughout the event. He knows me. He'd put his arm around me and stuff. I got some funny stories to tell you sometime with roger waters and bill clinton and 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 buxom makeup artists and Mm -hmm. stuff but uh to the serious point you know to the social media that's what i was saying about the 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 canada stuff in my tweet like Mm -hmm. i'm a fan of canada you know my tragic Mm -hmm. i've toured there i love the whole canadian mentality and i've had great friends that are from canada since i was a young man i went to school with a bunch of canadians in new york and i always noticed a difference in the in the personalities between the two com- countries. You know, Canadians are generally more polite, smarter, and more reserved, not given to the kind of knee-jerk hyperbole, mm-hmm. right? That Americans kind of are just loud and boisterous with and, and, you know, shoot first, ask questions later kind of mentality. And that's what I see social media doing to people. And that's what I was trying to point out. Like, look, whatever the percentage of your population is, this stuff will change you. Yeah. Social media will change your personality. I see what it does to me. You know, it's not all good being on Twitter. Like, you know, nope. it, it, it is an enraging place. And and like you said, Howard, you know, things will change. And the, the standards, the one things you might might have thought at one point, like, I'd never do that. I'd never say that you find yourself doing because you're reacting to this stuff you're getting caught up in. And that's the that's the that's the uncharted territory. As I've said before on this show, Hitler had speeches and newspapers and rallies. He didn't have YouTube and Tucker Carlson and QAnon and social media and all this kind of stuff. So we're in uncharted territory as a world, mm-hmm. right? No, for as sure. a Western democracy, we, none of us have ever seen this before. On the flip side, too, um, the Me Too movement, a lot of that was you know, boils up through social media and people being held account uh, to account publicly. You know, Don Lemon's firing, it turns out, you know, he was pretty misogynist. Yeah. You know, he attacking uh, Caitlin Collins, the new young uh, star there at CNN. And then what you said off the top about Tucker Carlson, you know, um, this uh, uh, lawsuit being launched against his former producer. Maybe that's the nut that is going to get him tossed because of the way he treated her and what's going to come out. So it's interesting that those two guys so much different in their presentations are both might be victims now of the sort of me too or not being nice to women. Yeah. And, you know, Don Lemon follows me on Twitter. I follow him back I used to do the TNT upfronts. You know what upfronts are where the network sells advertising, yeah, yeah. you know, 
Right. So CNN is obviously in their portfolio. And I used to have to do the Chris Cuomo guy. I was I would escort Chris Cuomo every year and he would sit in the green room and talk smack about Don Lemon. Like 10 years ago, people couldn't stand Don Lemon. And Chris would be like, they want to fire him so bad. Like he is that way. There was a variety article that came out about him last week that I was like, oh, he's getting fired. They're not writing pieces like this and you're walking away from it. Well, recently. And again, this this goes to his off air misogyny. And, and just mm-hmm. for the record, too, Freddie and I have not been Don Lemon fans for no. a long time. Even I, at, I, no, he's not. I, a, I, I, I always, guy. I just always thought he. We always thought he was a lightweight. I always, mm-hmm. I just found him kind of a shitty broadcaster. Mm-hmm. You know, Same and here. that little crossover he did with you know Chris Cuomo. You know, it was just a little bit saccharine or whatever. No. Yeah. But yeah. but there was a thing. I can't remember who he was talking about when he was saying about maybe it was Nikki Haley. This is getting really inside, but talking about how she wasn't that women were only in their prime for 20s and 30s and 40s. It was just such a fucking weird thing to say. And I remember looking at it going, that's just so awkward. Where would that even come from? And he, anyway, he had to go to get some sensitivity training. And, and But to be clear, they're not the victims. The victims are the victims. They're just going to be the there. It wouldn't that be ironic after all the shit that, that Tucker Carlson's done, the redacted <laughs> things and blah, blah, blah. It <laughs> actually is going to be a woman that is bringing down both of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, and, uh, <laughs> That thing, he said, that, that thing he said about Nikki Hill, like 51 years old, and she's past her prime. Like, again, where did that come from? And you might have noted, Caitlin Collins challenged him right yeah, on right the away. show Absolutely. with that. Yeah. And it didn't sit well with him because he, yeah. he, he had this air about him that, you know, I've been here for 17 years. I'm the guy. You don't question me. Well, you I do know. you do when you say something stupid. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I, no, I laughed out loud so hard when he said <laughs> that I happened to see it live. I'm not a fan of his either. I think he's... Mm-hmm being unprofessional and stuff you know the 10 o'clock hour was a joke i like mm-hmm. caitlin collins she's yeah, me fun too. To, you know not to be sexist well, but right. she's pretty and yeah. she's like caitlin's very good and she's also right. very attractive oh right. by the way she apparently she's getting 9 p.m they're good. Give that, yeah they're gonna take her off the morning and put her at 9 p.m so that's uh that's a big job for her they should yeah. mm-hmm. um yeah. listen we're not we're gonna we're running out of time here but i'll tell you that uh You know that Trump only lost the Electoral College by 40,000 votes over three states. Like, it's it's crazy to think that it can happen again. But I just wanted to just before we get before we're done. Is it possible you live there? Is it possible I could be the president again? Yes. Yes, it is. It's sadly very possible because, like you said, it's only a few states. And the first time he only won by like 17,000 mm-hmm. votes in a couple streets, uh, swing states. Because yeah. here's the scary thing. All right. He 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 only lost by that many votes. And look at all the chaos and all the GOP secretaries of states he was able to corrupt. They've now had four years to put into law mechanisms to make sure that doesn't happen again. Right. Beyond the voter disenfranchisement and all the things they're doing in Texas and all these states, they're going to have like in Arizona or something where, say, Biden wins and the Republican secretary of state is like, no, I'm not certifying that Mm -hmm. Trump won, you know, and they'll do that in Wisconsin. They'll do that in a few places and it'll be 
the same thing, a constitutional crisis. And it'll be a question of like, well, do we fight? <laughs> like, what do we do? Do we accept another Trump presidency? I, 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 the good news is, and I think you nailed it, Howard, it's going to be what Jack Smith does in the DOJ. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who can put this to bed and put him out to pasture and they need to step up and do it. You know, time is running out, Merrick Garland or whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. nail him on something. We all know he's guilty. That's the case we need to see brought yeah he needs a jail cell or a bullet one of the one of the two (laughs) yeah we're not fucking around anymore noel i will say i did Mm -hmm. i did write down something i wanted to talk about just quickly before you go and and i would say this i i as a guy that's been in the media him and i've been doing this for a thousand years but i really can't remember you know anything more asinine Maybe it was the guy blowing up disco records in the 70s in Wrigley Field. He follows me, that guy. That guy follows me on Twitter. Sorry. Uh, what was still his name? A DJ. What's, what's his name again? Charles or something. He's no. still a DJ. Yeah, we, Freddie and I contacted him when we started our podcast 12 years ago. Steve Dahl. Steve Dahl. Exactly. I okay. muted him. He follows me on Twitter, though. So it might be that, but it's, this is way weirder. I can't remember anything more asinine than the reaction that... Some that the people are having people up here too, to some trans person with a few Bud Light cans. The the uproar and furor, uh, the uproar and furor around this, I I just find remarkable. Yeah. It's the dumbest stuff ever. It you know, is those the are, it's right, so asinine. They know these guys are dumbasses. You know what I mean? Like Trump doesn't care about transgender. He's not homophobic in that way. He's a racist, but like he used to hang out at Studio 54. That stuff does not freak him out. Do you know what I'm saying? They use it as a wedge issue with these rednecks and these rubes because they don't want them to see that they're picking their freaking pockets, right? They're taking away their veterans affairs this week mm-hmm. to give a tax cut to the wealthy they're taking away free lunch programs they're taking away their medicaid you know like that's what they don't want the people to pay attention to they want to say hey a drag brunch is your enemy go go take your ar-15 and fight that while we strip your children of any sort of future you know and then you connect the dots i forget the country singer who's just like kid rock who Luke Bryan or something like that, or yeah, one of those guys. And the other guy that won't allow Bud Light to be sold in his bar. Now. Oh, yeah, that guy. And that guy is a handsy dude with guys. Right. Really, really. Yeah, that uh-huh. Travis, look at a picture of Travis Tritt and tell me what. Yeah, well, no, I was going to say, really that's the guy. He's wearing like, but, but right. he, he right. looks like a drag performer. But so, so listen, so in my business, which is talent escorting, where you bring talent, you know, around at a show, a guy was assigned to him as his press escort, like on the country CMAs in the 90s or something, a dude. And they go in the press line and you go in this line, you wait for, you know, the person in front of you to get their photos on the step and repeat. And this dude wrote a thing on Facebook and he said, that dude, Travis Tritt, was feeling his ass the whole time. He was literally just feeling him up the whole time, you know? And not that you can judge somebody's sexuality by looking at him or it matters, but look at the guy. It's like, bro, what are you, what are you complaining about? you got a mullet and a freaking caftan on on stage. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. You connect the dots. You know, Kid Rock, that guy, and the other guy with the bar, and the other uh, country guy, they're all Trump fans. Yeah, of course. They're, they're all Trumpers. And and look, I worked with Kid Rock a ton when he yeah. first came out. I sat in a room when he did a bunch of blow when he was paying tribute to Aerosmith at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. There, we had the same sound guy for a while with CSN. Nobody 
has a crew that hates him more than Kid Rock or Bob Ritchie is what you call him if you mm-hmm. work him. He's a scumbag scumbag, and he's a spoiled little rich kid. He's not some street punk. He grew up in a big McMansion outside of Detroit. Mm-hmm. He's a rich kid who co-opted black culture, made a bunch of money. That ran out, so he's like, I'll be a country guy racist now. Yeah. You know? like and, that's all and, he and sat in a room with Tucker Carlson for an hour while Tucker right. groveled over him right. and let him spew his fucking nonsense but but and again all of that all of that taken into this you know into this issue that's why that's why i think it's so when i use the word asinine of all the things i said this to freddie the other day of all the things these people could be concerned about could Mm -hmm. be putting their celebrity power uh to support you know children's lunches etc etc to spend this much energy and I've seen all and not just them. Think about all the redneck videos of people taking out their beer and throwing it out. It's just like, guys, like fuck series. It's just a beer. It's just a person. And it wasn't even a campaign. It was just a, it was such a personal little thing they did for them. Anyway, it's it makes hard me want to buy some. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, I it makes me want to buy Bud Light. I don't I don't buy that beer, but I now I want to to buy some like yeah. it's, it's something. And, then the, the, and, and, and it was just commemorative can like just a few. Cans yeah, that's what for, I'm saying. It was only a few her. can. And then, of course, they're going off to drink. They're, now they're making this big play about drinking Coors Light and Coors Light is a huge supporter of that community. Yeah. Anyway, you know what, dude? We uh, thanks for the extended mix today. Noel Kassler, my God, the Noel Kassler podcast, the car rants. And now you can uh, hang with Noel on Substack, like a lot of uh, Washington insiders. Uh, really great today. Thank you for your uh, time, my friend. Thank you, guys. My apologies to Canada. I got a lot of Canadian grandmas mad at me yesterday. I'm sorry, ladies. It's all right, man. They love you. They'll get over it. Uh, all right, we, we, we apologize for Theo Fleury. That's right. <laughs> and uh, just Keno, put, put a whatever whatever deity you pray to. Just sorry about, but he's got to be the Leafs over Tampa Bay. So we're not fucking around up here anymore. Okay. I'm, I'm all about the Maple Leafs. All right. I'm all about Toronto. You Appreciate you. Right on. You in Canada. Go for it. All right, my See friend. You. There's Noel Castler. See you next month, my bro. You got it, brother. Bye. See, we got it all out in one segment. You know, we didn't do a whole bunch of, we didn't do the whole week. We haven't done much Trump stuff lately. And there we go. We just did it all one little, you know, thing. There you, we, then we just got, then we got a lot of good points in there. Lots of good points. You know, you know, some of this stuff we talk about, and it's fun to talk about it, and so many interesting things along mm. the way. There's also tragedy, and I don't know if you ever see any of Theo Fleury's uh, tweets. Like, I, I, bl- I don't follow him anymore. anymore. I just got just, that's, just, that, that's just tragic. Like what's happened to him? Like yeah, you know, a great little hockey player. You know, he could be on Hockey Night Canada talking to Canadians about hockey. Instead, he's doing that. And uh, you know, it's it, there's something wrong. Like he's not wired right or something. And think about many. what think about the other path he could have been on. I mean, he was an abused yeah. guy. He yes, could have been talking too. about, and he did. He wrote a book about it, and he, you know, mm-hmm. recovering mental health and uh, victims of abuse, and you know that could have been his. In fact, that was going to be his path. Just, we had him on the so, show. He was so admired through that. Yes, you know, for talking about it and bringing it out front and exposing stuff. And it, he was like, "You're right." He came into the studio once and. Like he was almost like a national treasure hockey player who was an advocate for sexual abuse. It was like he had it. 
Dude, my dad. And it's all gone. I remember my father, who's not with us anymore. I remember when Castillo played for the Warriors in Moose Jaw. Mm-hmm. And I remember my dad as a season ticket holder and just talking about what a good little hockey player he was and uh, how admired he was in the community. That could mm-hmm. have been his path. But yeah. it just goes to show you why people call this movement a cult. Because it's like yes. being... It's mm-hmm. like being indoctrinated into a cult-like environment. It's pretty scary stuff, Fred. Well, no, no. And what Noel said, too, he's more and more stuff out of Canada. And whether, you know, we'll have to talk to Tony about that. Whether they like it or not, Pierre Poliev is pivotal in that. He just is. And again, whether he's pulled it back or he's going to pull it back more and whether, you know, what measure is justified, I'm sorry. But his his image, yeah. what people perceive him to represent, has opened that door. Sorry, that's the reality. And, and through some fault of his own, but mm-hmm. also the conservative party being sort of the, not sort of, where else are they going to go? Where else is the? Right. Where else was the Freedom Convoy going to go? It was it was born of a right. Western Canadian dissatisfaction, which leans to the right. Um, uh-huh. Are you in the mood for a quick Poliev uh, clip? Sure, I'm, I'm open for anything. All right. Well, this is from because uh, you know this was basically going going to this is from question period last week. This is a Canadian, a Canadian thing, and uh, this is one of the liberal uh, MPs talking about you know Poliev trying to make himself you know f- he's building up his image of a man of the people you know and mm-hmm. one of the one of the common folk and and here's a guy sort of pushing back against that speaker the leader of the opposition gets up in a government funded bed in a government funded house he oh. enters a government funded car where he's driven by a government funded driver where he goes to a government funded office with government funded staff Seriously? and i wonder when he gets on his government funded phone and talks to big tech giants from other countries about oh. how they can destroy the CBC and other Shame. public broadcasting. Shame. I wonder uh, when he talks to them about his Twitter account, uh, what percentage of public funded, given that he's worked his entire life for the federal paycheck? What is it, 99.8%? I thought that was a good point because he that was basically in response to Poliev saying that the CBC has to put on their Twitter that it's a government funded uh, institution. But so is he. No, I know. I know. But I, how do we ever get to the bottom of the CBC thing? Because it's going to take politicians, and they're all guilty of that, regardless of political stripe. I mean, that guy saying that speech has all that stuff, too. So sure. what do we do about that? Not only that, we talk about the America, you know, uh, uh, talking to Noel, uh, Biden's age and, 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 and Trump, what he is, and America's in a, in a bad spot. Well... In different ways, but sort of the same, so are we. Because we have this polium thing that we have to deal with, plus we have the other guy we have to deal with, who's been a useless fart for 10 years, so or whatever it's been. Um, so what do we do? Mm-hmm. What do we do? Well, I don't know what we do. I, it's funny, I just looked on Facebook to see if the stream was still working. Somebody said, I was expecting to see Fred draped in blue and white this morning. Oh, Jesus. You know, yeah. you know I, I'm trying to think, and all the time I've known you, mm. well, I'm sure there was some time. Did you used to come to work in a Leaf jersey? Did I? Would I have ever? No, I didn't Never. think so. Yeah, you're just not that kind of guy. I'm not the, and, and I, I've always been a bit, I'm just going to say it, I don't care. I've always been a bit creeped out by guys that wear fucking hockey jerseys around. I just find it weird. 
Well, you know, sorry. I'll tell you, it wasn't till probably the 2000s and it became a thing. All the hockey games I went to as a kid, all the Blue Jay games I went to as a kid, you you never wore leaf paraphernalia. You didn't people the odd person did. Now when you look at games like mm-hmm. I mean, the marketing end of Major League Baseball and National High, you got to hand it to them because oh, yeah. everybody's wearing a leaf sweater, and even I do it. I went to a Blue Jay game a couple of weeks ago. I put on a Blue Jay T-shirt. But when we were young, you just didn't do that. The odd guy did. Obvious, part of it, I guess, was money, purchasing the actual paraphernalia or the, the fandom stuff, but never did it. Well, and, and I guess, again, I, I said it quietly because I know there's a lot of guys listening that do it. And I don't, you know, it's fine. I was at the uh, baseball game last week with Rudy. And, uh, yeah, the place is covered in Blue Jay colors and sweaters and to jersey. Mm-hmm. And it's great. I even wore my, uh, I think it's blue. <laughs> this is close. I wore a blue hoodie thinking, all right, I'm going to the game. So what's the difference between doing that to show your support and actually wearing a jersey with somebody's name and number on the back? I don't know. I don't know. No, I I, I know where you're coming from. Um, you know, I, I don't know the last time I was at a Leaf game whether I wore a Leaf sweater. I have, though. When we've gone to Montreal to see the Leafs, I've worn a Leaf sweater. But again, it's something we never used to do. Um, the other night, uh, the Oilers in Los Angeles... Uh, he had uh, seats right against the glass, Will Ferrell. And not only did he have um, the King sweater on, he had his face painted black and silver. <laughs> he did. He did. He's, he and makes I me think, laugh, man. I think it all I can find cow. him funny. I think he had his kid with him. He was dressed up, too. With, uh, if that was his kid, I don't know. But um, yeah, it's different. You look at Winnipeg last night, into everybody wears white shirts and, yeah. and twirls white hankies. You know, it's just that's how you come to the game now. Rudra. As they say at Leaf Games, it's a sea of blue. Yeah. Rudra, I, well, I want to just, just, I have a question. I, and, and you've answered it before, but I have a question about home and away in a second. But first, Rudra, just commenting on me going to the game with him. He said, because I wasn't sure what color my hoodie was, because I'm colorblind. He said, yes, it was blue. Now it's blue and chocolate ice cream. How fucking funny. Ha ha. Did Rudra wear uh, Blue Jay paraphernalia? Like a, a cap or something? Or? Uh I don't really remember. I don't think so. He was certainly not wearing a jersey. Um, that's another thing. The last, I mean, you've, you've explained this. You've explained this to me before, but I just can't get my head around the home team not wearing white. I just, well, I, Howard, years ago, like when I was a kid, the Leafs always wore their dark blues at home, and then I think in the eighties they decided let's uh, let's switch this around. My recollection from watching hockey as a kid was that the home team, that the road team was always dark. The, no, the, the road team was always white when we were kids mm. back in the 60s. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I yes. don't think so. Well, look at look at Bobby Orr. I think even like when the Leafs won the Stanley Cup, look in 1967, look at the pictures. They're wearing dark blue. Okay, well, I don't know where I got I, I, I don't know where I got that from. I just thought it was tradition in sports that the home club is wearing the white. And, but I, 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 hey, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. The NFL, they don't. You wear your dark jerseys at okay, home. Okay, fuck. Get off me. Listen, there's so, sort of agreement sometimes, too. They'll talk to each other, and sometimes they'll do nights where they'll flip. But the, the rule now is, or 
is you wear darks at home right. and whites on the road. All right. And as I say, as a, it was during the 80s and 90s and parts of the 2000s that they flipped for a while. But um, just before we uh, wrap it up, Zach uh, Altilia. Uh, I'm not going to play the sound, but he says, uh, basically, this was from yesterday. I want a great email. He says, guys, you can't plan this shit any better. I can, I'm calling it Humble and Fred Luck. So the day before Noel is scheduled to come on, Tucker gets canned, and it all happens after Monday's show. First time to talk about it is with Noel. Can't wait to hear the show. Zach, I hope you were not disappointed because it did all work out for us for a change. Um, lots of stuff. I got some religious stuff for tomorrow. Got some great clips of uh, a couple people talking about the inanity that is religion. You know, I love that subject. Uh, just quickly, too, I saw this. I can't remember what I was watching. What was I watching? Oh, uh, doesn't fucking matter, but there was a, a promo on CBS for Survivor. Did I mention that to you yesterday? That Survivor? Did you, so. did you know that Survivor is still on the air? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did yeah. not know that. Mm-mm. I think it lost me after season two, but that's like almost 30 years ago, isn't it? I remember you and I interviewing Mark Burnett. Mm-hmm. And of course, we've talked about this before, how we never saved that interview and how we literally spoke to Mark Burnett, the producer of Survivor and The Apprentice. We spoke to him, you uh, know, you know, Humble and Fred interview, like a edge interview, five minutes mm-hmm. about this new show he was starting. Mm hmm. I and I remember that. you and I kind of mocking it, <laughs> you know, as we did, because that was our job. Yes. And then it went on to become, you know, the most successful. It launched an entire industry of reality television. Although I remember making the point at the time that how cutting edge it was that the the viewer was going to be able to play a part in the outcome. And that was rather innovative. And that was, no, that's American Idol because the viewer didn't. Was there? Oh, wasn't oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that was, a, what okay. was. Then we did that interview. Right? Yeah, we did okay. that interview. That's what's it. That right, that was right. innovative. That was brilliant, right. actually. Yeah. That, so okay, I'm yeah. getting my reality shows no, mixed up. But that's yeah. Okay. I remember us taking. We we did make that point at the time that having the mm-hmm. viewer invested in the outcome of a show gave that right. gave those ratings. They had this huge ratings. It was almost like a radio thing where you grab them through the through the commercials mm-hmm. well they, they they that american idol grabbed you through an entire voting night right that um yeah on uh, survivor they voted each other off that's right it wasn't the viewer right do you have any um do you have some time oh. to talk about uh, somebody else yeah no i just want to mention too we were talking about tv you know you know who victor newman is um you know a soap, soap opera guy yeah Eric Braden, I think his name is, played Victor Newman on Young and the Restless. Right. Anyway, he's just announced that he has prostate cancer at 82 years old. It was, again, another one of these health things that I'm thinking. You know, when it, he couldn't pee, so he finally went and saw the doctor. <laughs> you know, couldn't urinate. Mm. Had to have a catheter. And then, ah, I better. Yeah, I better <laughs> Probably should go see this. somebody. But the reason I bring him up, when I first got into radio in 1979, I lived with my mom and dad in Milton, and I used to come home after the morning run or whatever and watch The Young and the Restless with my mother. Aww. And he was on it then, yeah. like, like 1979. So there, there's a pretty good run for you. Victor. I'd say. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good day-to-day gig. You know, I remember thinking, I'd say. I was never, my mom did watch some daytime television. 
when I was at school, but I remember we've talked about this too. I, I just, for some reason, decided I wasn't going to be watching daytime TV mm-hmm. doing mornings. You know, that I, once in a while with my kids, I'd watch a, a show with them, but mm-hmm. I just never turned the television on during the daytime because I thought, well, it's just, yeah. it, would, it would make it too easy just to sit in your fucking house all day. Absolutely. Uh, I think I you have some more uh, business to take care of. Uh, yes. I wish you would do it now. Thank you. Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group insurance uh, plan for small business, be it a couple of people, be it a hundred people. Anyway, if it's something you've thought about, something you'd like to do for your employees, it's possible. Yes, it is. Go to chamberplan.ca. Get a free quote today. Uh, You know, you can call them to people willing to help you and explain it to you and how it works and the different levels and the different costs and the different, um, well, the different benefits like uh, prescriptions and dental and therapies and mental health and they have an HR component. Again, whatever you're comfortable paying with, they can help you because, again, there's different levels and companies make different amounts of money and you can only afford so much. But you can be part of this. So go to chamberplan.ca, get a free quote, chamberplan.ca. Yeah, it's funny how we're all, the day and age we live in, you know. You know, how, how awkward it is for men of any age, but our age especially, I think, to say that somebody is attractive. Like, I think Caitlin Collins, and I, I thought she was attractive when she was the White House, you know, reporter. But it's weird that you can't really say that. Or you, you you have to struggle to say it, but it's sort of odd. I mean, how do you say somebody, yeah, she's attractive. She's very, very good. She's, and you, you're the one that pointed out how young she is. She's only 30 years old. Yeah. To, uh, to be that, she's amazing. You know, I'm watching Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Maisel mm-hmm. the other day, and she goes to write for the Gordon Ford uh, late night show or something. Yeah. And somebody walks out and says, well, the office is much prettier now. Yeah. And when when as innocent as that was, and to me, not even that creepy, I guess, but I immediately I thought you could never say that now, you know? So if you or got, if you if you did, you'd be taking a chance on some level, but oh, you yeah. never know. You know, you never know how somebody's going to react or whatever. Now, dude, have you not got to the part of that episode where they're on the ice rink and they're celebrating? Yes. It, I, I love that yes. storyline that she's working now as a writer for this talk show, sort of like a Carson esque type of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, they're on the ice, and he's a little bit drunk, and he's got a bit of a crush on her, even though he's married, mm-hmm. and uh, kisses her, yes. goes to kiss her. Mm-hmm. That's Don. He'd be Don Lemon. You can't no, do that. Well, listen, man. In, in recent history, Matt Lauer had a button that locked oh, the fuck. door of his office to to keep people, women in. We're talking within the last ten years. Yeah, right? that one of the creepiest things I've ever fucking heard, too. Like, so just I, I, again for all its drawbacks, social media, and I tried to make that point earlier. There are some good things, and maybe this whole thing where women can now be heard is a good thing well it's given a lot of people including women a lot of uh, groups that have been marginalized voices Mm -hmm. you know and i guess getting back to this bud light thing forget the the celebrities and the country stars just the and i know you're not as as active on social media as me but the the amount the avalanche of regular guys out there in the world canadian and american getting their knickers all twisted because of a beer is just to me again i i just it's i don't know where i don't know where to put that it's just so ridiculous 
But you could take a guy like Kid Rock, so he he he, he uh, shoots all the beer cans. Yeah, and then you could talk to him and detail. What, what do you think about Donald Trump's uh, rape trial? Like, yeah. What about that? Are you going to shoot a picture of like Trump? And of of course, he will probably he would reply, "Oh, she's lying." Yeah, of course, everyone around Trump is lying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, there's never been anything around Trump to those people. And, and again, that's mm-hmm. why I say Kid Rock and Travis, what's his name? Mm-hmm. I, I think part of that is just to I don't, be provocative to, you know, they call it gin up your base or whatever. But just to regular folks, like I've even seen it on my little uh, you know golf chat. A couple of guys making some remarks about Bun Light. I'm like, really, dudes? Like this you really give a shit about the trans community that much but but even yeah like what so what is their point like like again tell me what your point is not you and i i mean anybody that sort of buys into that so what is the point bud light did what what did bud light do yeah what did they do they recognized this woman or this this transgender person and they gave her some uh, commemorative cans. So, like, but what, like, and, and, and what is wrong with that? Like, what, it's too woke? Like, yeah, I, I guess I, that's I'm lost it. in it all. I, I don't know what they did. I mean, now that you're asking, I know you weren't asking me, but I think, well, what would their, what would their, uh, their reasoning be? And part of it, I guess, is they don't want us to be seen drinking mm-hmm. Bud Light anymore because it, it's, it's a, a, a woke beer now and it's supporting a community <laughs> that they don't like. But, you know, it's funny. This is actually funny that a lot of these people, and I would say Travis Tritz and Kids Rocks and the, and the the rednecks that are shooting up beer cans, you know, there's this whole thing, you know, unless it, until it happens to you. A lot of those people used to not really be very nice to gay people. And then, of course, one of their kids came out and now gay people are okay. So... That's what it is. And it's interesting because that community, Kid Rock, I'm, I'm sure that he's probably still, I mean, maybe I don't know, but it, I know one thing, he's not as homophobic as he was 20 years ago. And 20 years from now, none of those people will be as transphobic as they are now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. And again, I just keep, I would love, you know, even the guys, you know, just say, okay, explain to me exactly what's wrong here. What What, what is the... What is the problem here? What did Bud Light do that makes you go, yeah, Bud Light? Yeah, that's hurt you. Or, or, or yeah, uh, Kid Rock, you know? Until Kid Rock or Travis Tritt or any of these yeah. other guys, until they have a child mm-hmm. that decides that they're not who they want to be and mm-hmm. wants to transition. That's yeah. how, that's, it's, it's literally that, they, that's what they always say. They say, uh, until it happens to you. Yes. You know? You know, that whole side is just pathetic the whole trump side is and again it's also superficial the support for him people don't drill down they don't you know they don't investigate exactly what he has said and what he represents and what his history is it's also superficial you know i saw this thing a clip i may have been on youtube yesterday the day before matt gates he's down somewhere in florida he's holding this town hall and everybody in there is wearing their trump hats and they love matt gates so what he does he he allows some of the audience to come up and air their beefs about america and it's all the typical stuff and this one woman comes up this old woman and says you know what really bugs me matt gates they're not singing the anthem anymore in schools 
Like, it's ridiculous. I don't know what they're doing, but they're not singing our anthem, and it just bothers me. And he goes, that's a great point. He said, let's sing the anthem. So she starts singing the anthem. She didn't know the fucking words, Howard. Of course she didn't. didn't know the words. She screwed up the words. There you go. And I thought that's just so representative of what those people are all about. Yep. You know what you said in terms of what it, what is Bud Light done to hurt these people? Mm-hmm. And if you asked yeah. them, so it reminded me of these guys I follow. They're called the Good Liars. They're two funny guys. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like uh, Cat with Jordan Kepler, I think, from the Daily Show. He goes out to the Trump rallies and asks questions. These two guys were at a Trump rally and they were asking questions just like you asked. What is it about uh, critical race theory that you don't like? No one could fucking tell them. Mm-hmm. No one knows the actual issue. They just know that Fox told them not to like it. Yes. This, most of the people now shooting up Bud Light cans are only doing because they saw uh, Kid Rock do it. They don't really have a problem with some trans kids. You know what I mean? Like, no. And that's what you, that, I, that's your point. There's a good one. They don't, they're not drilling down. They don't really know. Mm-hmm. They just know that their team is against it. Yes. Um, all right. This- yeah, this uh, clip was just pathetic, and I thought there, you know, the the the, the anthem, you know, and she's I'm gonna your the anthem that you don't even know the words to. Yeah. Kids should be like you, fucking hypocrite. But anyway, well, tomorrow we're gonna uh, see. We did all of it today. We got all of it on our system, unless something happens tomorrow today, and then it'll be more fun. But tomorrow it'll all just be light and airy and breezy with Carla Collins and hopefully Dan Duran's news. And thanks, Noel Castler, and you for watching there on uh, Facebook. We'll see you tomorrow. Okay, hang on a second. What did I do? Why is it that plain? I can still hear you. You can still hear what? You talking. No, I know. Because this isn't playing. Okay. This episode of Humble... Oh, okay. That's why. Because there was a giant pause. All right. No no harm, no foul. There we go. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Air Adventures, evnet.ca, GoDaddy, and our newest sponsor, Architect Outdoor Living, better building by design. We read all of our emails, Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Liking, subscribing, that helps us out by charging up the getting noticed algorithms. So does getting your friends to listen to just one show. Just one show. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Durant. And remember, naps are great. Take one and enjoy every goddamn day. Pick yourself up off the side of the road with the elevator bells and your whip flash tones.